Yeah, I'll always be a metalhead. Nothing can take that away from me. Right. I mean, not jail, not people, not religion, not anything. I'll always be a metalhead. 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 You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome back, Metalheads, to a brand new episode of the Great Metal Debate Podcast. It's Xandric again with a brand new album review. Today, we'll be talking about a band that has made an appearance on this channel before, back in 2022, with their previous record, Bloodshed Under the Black Star. I am, of course, referring to my good friends Nagul and Murmur from the Nashville-based black metal act known as Obsidian Shrine. This is the band's third full-length studio album titled, Dereliction of Divinity. Since I am good friends with Nagul, I'm going to be completely honest about my true thoughts and opinions on this new record. It's easy to be biased when you're close to people in the group, but I'm going to avoid it to be fair, especially since the last record also made it to my main list for my favorite albums of that year. All things considered, let's dive right into the gaping mouth of hell. I know I mentioned the band Arch Goat a lot on this channel, but if the album cover alone didn't immediately give you the Arch Goat or Urgol vibes, then you are probably unfamiliar with the style of black metal. The totally wretched type of black metal that will make you feel like going to confession before you even hit the play button for the first track. For some reason, my mind went to that incantation song, A Once Holy Throne, when I saw the song title, A Vacant Throne, but the two tracks sound absolutely nothing alike. As I might have mentioned before, Obsidian Shrine is a band that is heavily influenced by Marduk. Marduk was never a standout for me personally, as I feel like other talents in the Norwegian true cult black metal scene have overshadowed them in terms of quality songwriting. However, Murmur and Nagul seem to have a way of making their guitar riffs pop. It's almost as if they know exactly how to harness the best elements from second wave black metal like Gorgoroth and Darkthrone, but give it a clean studio mix. Simultaneously, they maintain the same evil and distorted fast strumming to keep it raw, but they never get it polished as another major influence of theirs such as the first two dissection records. Since I've blabbed on and on for filler's sake, I'll remind you that the first track is called A Vacant Throne, and if the former album is anything to go by, this is loud, aggressive, and in your face with the screeching banshees for vocals. They keep the raspy screams coming throughout the duration of not just this nearly six minute opening, but the remaining five tracks as well. Now I could just end the review right here, but since this album only has the length of a typical EP, I'll further elaborate on specific pieces of each song. A Vacant Throne begins with a sound of howling wind before the early era Naglfar-esque riff and opening scream rips your face off. The drum work is speedy and unrelenting, and the vocals are angry. Not to mention that there is a very brief but very sweet face-melting guitar solo loaded with sweet picking. Next we have the song Licentious Procession, which brings more vocals that sound even more venomous, and you can really feel the seething hatred within the few words you could actually pick out on the first handful of listens. The main rhythm guitar has more memorable riffs this time around, but it's here where I must point out my first critique. I don't hear the bass at all in this music. I'm not sure if it is even existent in the mix, but if it is, it's way too washed out. 
I'm unsure if the Inquisition approach is intentional or not, but this music could certainly benefit from having the four-string volume turned up a little. Bass is an essential backbone for metal music, despite it not being prevalent in this particular genre, but it's certainly welcomed and equally as important as the rest of the instruments. Obsolete Ideology is the third track where this issue continued, and in all honesty, it's not a track that I particularly remembered after my first lesson, but it later grew on me with just a little. It's not my favorite track on this new record, but it is still a blistering banger nonetheless. Evil Has Its Day, however, is definitely my favorite song on the new album. I enjoy it for it being the first song to slow down. As someone who thoroughly enjoys the melodic subgenre the most, it was refreshing to finally hear an undistorted guitar moment where the blast beats finally take a break. Don't get me wrong, there is absolutely nothing wrong with pummeling blast beats as they are a staple in the world of metal, even more so with black metal. But the blissfully sinister part comes with the nasally ghoul-like vocal break. Key components like this are what makes me pay the most attention. Had it not been for this, it would probably be another song that would just flies under the radar for me. I hate to be so blunt, but the little changes like this matter not just to me, but other listeners as well. If the songs all sound the same without those little moments to shake things up, it just becomes that kind of metal that you turn on in the background while you're cleaning your house. What I'm trying to say is that I wish that there were more breaks on this album where different vocal styles or musical components come into play. I love the calming guitar riff just after the Goblin vocals finish rolling its R's. It's short-lived, but still a great moment. The fifth track is only two minutes and some change, which serves as a very simple instrumental with long notes and a metronome drum beat. It's meant to be an intermission, or rather, a prelude to the final song. Throughout this track, we hear a loud-mouthed evangelist preacher known as Danny Castle fear-mongering to all of his gullible followers. It leads nicely into the final song, which happens to be the album title track. Dereliction of Divinity kicks off with that regular black metal sound that you can come to expect by this point, but after the first minute, we get a tempo change that slows to a more grinding-sounding riff, but the vocals stay the same. I'm glad that the riff stays like this for a full minute before the very Carrie King-style guitar solo shreds in a quick and chaotic way. It's unfortunate that seconds later, this short album concludes very abruptly. There's no winding down or fading out. It just kind of stops. Dereliction of Divinity is the album that I would strongly recommend to fans of bands like 1349, Take, Watane, or Sargest. But for the more moody and groovy type of black metal heads, such as myself, who are more familiar with groups like Satyricon, Covenant, Negator, and Thulcandra, I would say it's worth it, but also lacks some variety. I hope Nagul and Murmur don't think I'm being too harsh with the constructive criticism, but I also know them well enough to know that they would prefer honesty instead of me just constantly kissing their asses. Being such a short album left more to be desired, and it makes me wonder why they didn't just wait until they made three more songs to put out a longer full-length album later this year. But then I remembered, oh yeah, they did. The other songs are on that Consortium in Diabole split they did last year with the band Salt. For now, I will give my boys a fair score of 6.66 out of 10 rating. Obsidian Shrine is a band that I will continue to support, and I still have them as a bucket list band to see live. Their live performances are rare these days. If you want to support them, their music and merchandise is available on their Bandcamp page through Negative Earth Recordings. This album comes out on Groundhog's Day this year, which, as always, is on February 2nd. 
February 2nd also happens to be the next Bandcamp Friday, so make sure you order yourself a copy of their latest CD on its release day.